It's good to see you today. We're going to read God's word, and so would you stand with me? And we are going to take just a minute to look at the scripture today. If you have your Bibles, we are reading from the book of Psalm in verse 107, starting, chapter 107, starting with verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from the east and west, from the north and south. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word and the promises that it holds for us in our lives each and every day. We pray, God, that as we hear your message today that you have for us, Father, that you would just touch our hearts and and let our spirits be drawn to you. Let us be hungry, God, to hear what you have to say to us. And let us just be brought together as a body of believers who want to serve you, want to serve our community, and want to serve the world. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that we can be in your house today. In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you have a Bible with you today? Hold it up. Hold it up high. If it's in this form, you can hold that up too. You got a Bible with you today? I want to encourage you to, uh, to bring your Bibles with you, especially ones you can keep notes in and keep things in, and, and uh, to be reading your Bible. Remember, nobody can read it for you. Nobody can read it for you. You've got to, you've got to read the Bible yourself, and uh, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you and encourage you and encourage you to be studying God's Word. Uh, At the end of this service today, we will have a a time of prayer, and our prayer teams will come down, and some of our teams, our elders will come down. And if you've come here today with any kind of need at all, uh, we encourage you to come and let somebody pray with you. You don't have to go into great depth about what the need is. You can just tell them, I have a physical need, or I have a big decision to make, or there's some issues in our family we're asking God to guide us in. God knows what your need is. We don't have to go into all of that. But we can pray with you. And we believe prayer makes a difference. So before you leave today, make sure you take advantage of that if you have anything uh, that you're really asking God to move in your life about and let somebody pray with you. Uh, Psalm 107 is a passage that I would encourage all of you to study and to reflect on. In fact, I would encourage you this week Uh, to read it at least once a day and to stop and to think about it. We're going to give you some tools to think about it in this message uh, that will help you. But I want to encourage you. Maybe maybe you want to do it every morning and every evening. Uh, Reading a passage over and over again doesn't make it uh, less. It, it, It enhances it to us. Scripture gets fuller as we read it. We begin to catch things and see things and God begins to reveal things and begins to speak to us as we read a passage and as we reflect on it, as we stop and think about it. And and of course, the key question I've, I've been encouraging you to ask over these last several weeks is as you read a passage, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? What do you want me to see in this so I'll be formed in your image? Now, Psalm 107 is important 
for another reason. Listen to what it says at the end of this psalm in verse 43. Whoever is wise. How many of you want to be wise? You don't want to be fools. If you want to be a fool, raise your hand. We'll see the fools in the place. Okay. We don't want to be foolish. We want to be wise, correct? For whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. Let him heed these things. Let him act on these things. Let him do something about these things. And consider, remember, the great love of the Lord. This is one of the foundational uh, truths that we have to get into our life as you walk through life is that God's love is great. It endures forever. He loves you. When we go through crisis, there are times we don't understand what's going on around us. We don't understand, you know, it's painful, it's hard. We live in a fallen world and, and, and bad things happen. We're not in heaven yet. And we always need to remember this. No matter what I'm facing today, I'm facing it with the love of God. With God loving me and caring about me and wanting to be a part of my life. God loves you. The world may tell you it doesn't love you. Even sometimes our families tell us they don't love us. God says it over and over and over and over again that he loves you. Sent his son to prove it. So God loves you, and we want to think about that, consider that in all the things of our life and heed the things that it says. So this passage is about the love of God. So, so think about this for a second. Do you think you're better than God? Do you think you have a higher capacity to love than God does? Well, I would hope you don't think that. And, and yet, we, we, God has given us this ability to love. And those of us who are parents, we have this great love for our children. You may have a great love for a spouse, a great love for a mom and dad. Well, you want the very, very best for them. And God's love is greater than that for all of us. His love endures, the Bible teaches, when a mother's love ceases, God lo God's love continues. God loves us and cares about us. So how great is that love? And he shows it through his actions, and he shows it through his, his love and expression to us. So here's the bottom line. God wants good things for you. In fact, he wants our lives to shine in the darkness of this world so that others will be attracted to his love, others will be attracted to his wisdom. He doesn't want us to fit in with this world. He wants us to shine brightly in this world because his love is flowing through us. Stars, he says, in the darkness. So as we consider hearing the voice of God and as we think about hearing God's voice and, and, and seeing the acts of God, we should always remember that God loves us. So I hope you'll take time to study this passage this week and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about these issues. In, in the Psalms, in this Psalm, there are four umbrella statements about the condition of men uh, that tell us how men begin to act at times. The psalmist gives us one proper response to our condition when we act in one of these conditions. One proper response to that condition. And then the psalmist shows us the love of God in response to our response, to what we do. 
So here's the question. Will you let God speak to you? Not my prayer all week has been, God, as we go through this, these conditions, speak to us. Reveal to us where we are at in these conditions and what we need to do. So here's condition number one. Condition number one is, in, is, set, is stated in Psalm 107.4. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. The desert refers to a place where there's no satisfaction. It's empty, it's dry, it's barren. The sun is pounding down upon you in the day, and you may be freezing cold in the night. The city is a place in that day and age especially of security. A walled city, you would go into it, you would be secure and safe from a marauding band of, the, of, of an enemy that would try to sweep into communities and kill and steal and destroy. It was a place of safety. So what does that mean to us today? Well, some people wander in their life and spend their life where no satisfaction can be found. Where whatever they do, whatever effort they put in, whatever they pursue, it turns up empty. The desert is a place where there are many mirages crying to us, come here, and there's satisfaction. And you get there, and there is no satisfaction. You go to that place thinking, this will be life to the full. This will be good for me. This will satisfy my need. If I marry this guy, if I get this job, if I make this much money, if I achieve this position, and you get there, and it doesn't satisfy. Places where there is no real safety. These are people who pursue this life and the goals of this life without consideration of God's will and God's voice for their life. They have seen this world and what this world offers, and they think there's satisfaction in it. They think there's, an, there, there's life in it. They think there's fullness in the things of this earth. And so when you listen to their goals carefully, they're all earthbound. They're all momentary. It seems like a big goal. I want, oh, we want to live in this kind of house, or we want to travel a lot when we retire, or we want our kids to go to these kind of schools. It seems like good and noble things, but they're earthbound things. They do all of this without consideration of God's voice. They want God to jump on board with their plans instead of seeking his plans for their life. They want God to bless what they do instead of hearing what God would have them do. And so they go about life. Many times, uh, not necessarily things that are evil, they are hungry to achieve meaning. They want to accomplish something. They have goals that don't necessarily seem evil. They want good for their families. In many ways, these people are high achievers in this world, successful 
in the eyes of this world. They may drive nice cars. They may have nice positions at work. They, they may have nice things and nice homes. Their children may go to the right schools. They may encourage their kids in such a way that they get really good grades. They may dress them so they look really nice and teach them how to behave. They do all of these things. But everything is a vapor. God's not in it. Life ebbs away. It just doesn't work for eternity. It doesn't mean that those things in themselves are bad. It means that they've ignored God in the pursuit of their life. They haven't looked in their life and said, God, why have you created me the way you've created me? Why have you given me the ability that you have given me? Why have you given me a desire to achieve the way you've given me a desire to achieve? Why have you given me the opportunities that are before me? What, what is in this of eternity? And so at the end of their career, they, 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 they get the, the nice little reward, and they have the nice little pension, but there's nothing of eternal value behind them. There's nothing behind them in all of their efforts and all of their time that shows that they have influenced anybody or anything for the glory of God's kingdom. Their children grow up and make all these decisions, get good grades and go to good schools and get good careers, and then they sit and wonder, why does my child not have a hunger and a passion for God? Why are they not seeking after God? Why, are they not, why, why, do they, they, why do they find church as something that they don't want to be a part of? Because they've never found the, the real life that they can find in the house of God when, in the purpose of God. Purpose for them is in the career. Purpose for them is in the achievement. Purpose for them is in the things of this earth because that's what purpose has been for mom and dad. They've been wandering in a desert where there is no water, where there is no satisfaction, where there is no real safety. And then when crisis comes, when issues arrive, when bad decisions begin to get made, they discover that the enemy has ready access to their family, ready access to their lives, ready access into, into them, and destruction follows because there's no foundation of safety around them. They haven't pursued after God. Parents, moms and dads, remember, the best thing you can push your child to do, the most important thing you can push your child to do, is to know the will of God for their lives and to live in it. That's more important than anything else they'll ever achieve. You need to know the will of God and the purpose of God for your life in it. Whatever talents God has given you, whatever abilities God has given you, we use them all for his glory, all for his purpose, all for his will. What we want you to be is we want you to be a child of God serving and pursuing God with all of your heart. Yes, we think you should be diligent at your grades. Yes, we think you should work hard at the, at, at, at the career God has called you to do. But let's remember, let's make sure it's what God's called you to do. Let's make sure it's what God is directing you to do. And then let's look for the purpose of God in it. And the same thing in our lives. Where has God planted us? Why has he planted us here? Why am I in this place? Why am I in this workplace? Why am I in this neighborhood? Why do I have the influence I have? It's all supposed to be for the glory of God. And when I don't, I am wandering in the desert. 
wandering in the desert. Listen, it's merciful to discover this before life gets too far along. You don't want to wake up one day, 75 years old, and go, what happened? My kids aren't passionate for God. I see no fruit of God in my life. All the things that I have that I used to enjoy, I can't even enjoy them anymore. Life has ebbed away, and I've done nothing. That's the person wandering in the desert. Condition number two is found in Psalm 107.10. Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, prisoners suffering in iron chains, for they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. The Word of God is a light in the darkness. Darkness is a lack of the light. So when we think about God wanting our lives to shine in the darkness as stars in the darkness, he's talking about lives that are filled with his word and obeying his word and in order of his word. What we have people are here are people who have rejected the direction of God in their life. They don't turn their ear to his voice and listen to him speak to them and let him give direction to their life. They are directing their lives themselves. There's nothing to guide them. And because, they li- they, because of this, they live contrary to the word and they find bondage outside of the word. This doesn't have to be somebody who is just in rebellion. This, is, this can be somebody who's just in neglect. This can be the churchgoer who just doesn't pay attention to the Word, doesn't read it, doesn't apply it. When they hear it, they dismiss it or ignore it or forget it. They remain in the darkness. They hear that they should be honest or that they shouldn't do certain things and they should do certain other things, but they choose to remain in the darkness. They choose not to turn and walk in in the light. So we have these these big addictions, these big things that happen that are truly destructive in our life, like you know adultery or uh, drug addiction or alcohol addiction, and, and and we say, okay, I need to hear the word of God about those things. But listen, there are also other things, other chains that many times become acceptable in our lifestyle: greed, selfishness. Anger, just a, an ignoring of God's word. This is an ignoring of his purpose in our lives. And when we ignore the word, we remain in the darkness. When, when, we, when we fail to read and listen, the chains stay attached to us. And many times, these chains are velvet-lined. They don't rub our skin raw because we're used to them. It's the way we've always lived. It's the way we've always acted. We're comfortable with them. We have an excuse for them. But really, we're remaining in the darkness. It's why it's so important to read Proverbs, to read James, to read the the Bible, and to say as you read it, God, what are you saying to me? I want the chains to fall off of my life. And when we don't, we walk in this life without submission to the Word of God. We remain in the darkness. And when we remain in the darkness, we stumble in that darkness and we cause pain to those around us. 
Condition three, Psalm 107, 17. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of hell. This is one of those verses why it's so good for us to read this over and over again in a week and let it sink into our heart. Now hear this about this verse. A rebel knows who should be in charge. A a rebel does things with intention. He understands the expectation and does something else anyway. He chooses a different path. Rarely does a church person just openly rebel against God. Occasionally that happens. They get mad about something or hurt by something or, or maybe there's a, a fleshly desire that they just want to do and so they just have to excuse the Bible away and excuse God away and, 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 and reject it and go live a lifestyle that the Bible actually tells them will bring pain and suffering into their life. But usually, with the church person, we justify our steps away from holiness. We bring things into our life that we shouldn't, that the Word of God and the holiness of God and the purity of God would drive us away from. And we go back. What do we do? We draw near to the gates of death. Here's what happens in many cases. We rush back to the very things that once destroyed us and destroyed our families. And we begin to invite them back into our life. So here's my challenge for you today, one of my challenges. Before your family was Christian, before they sincerely followed God or even in your life today, what's causing havoc in your life? What caused real pain and real suffering in your home in that day? Maybe an action that your parents did and then they repented and they changed and they swept certain things out of their life and your dad changed his actions. Your mom transformed the way she thought and the way she saw things and and was changed. Can you identify those things? Maybe they never turned from them, but you did. Maybe your parents still live that way, but you turned from them. You rejected those things, and you turned, you turned fully to Christ, and your life has gone on a different trajectory. Here is the temptation and the rebellious spirit. Our temptation is to wander back towards the very things that once destroyed us that once held us in chains. Like the children of Israel, we go, I want to go back to Egypt. And we slowly begin to invite actions and attitudes and habits back into our life, and we go, this isn't so bad. I can do, yeah, my dad, he may have been this, but I will never go that far. I'll never be that bad. This isn't evil in itself. I can still do this. And we compromise holiness in our actions. Not realizing that in the very compromise of holiness, we walk near unto death. And even if we keep control of it, our children don't. And our grandchildren don't. And others don't because we have wandered from the purity of God 
and the place where God would have us. Now listen, I could go through dozens of illustrations in this room today about this very issue and never hit on the one that may be affecting your life. This is where you need to listen to God and say, God, what was the havoc of my life in the past? Where did sin really manifest itself in my life or in my family's life in the past? And am I compromising back into those very things today? What's caused havoc in our country? What's caused havoc in our world? Am I compromising back into them today? Because when I do, I walk near unto death. And I need to remember that sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth death. The call of God is to holiness. What does that mean? To live a life separate unto him. There are some things, I'm just going to tell you, friends, there are some things that you may have license to do. It may be, it may not send you personally to hell if you do them, but keeps you from freedom and power, and because you do them, those around you who are influenced by them will wander even farther from God, even more into them, become more bound in them, and be locked in the chains of them. And instead of you being a light and an influence in their life for the glory of God, you introduce the very thing into their life that's destructive to them. I want no part of it. I want no part of it. The call is to be holy unto God. Here's condition number four. Psalm 107, 23. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. These are those who just went about their work and life, just went about doing their things, and discovered the emptiness of it and the pain of it. This is the busy, busy, busy life. Going about its busyness, without an ear to God, without an ear to God's will in their life, just rushing to and fro, so busy they can't take time to listen, not taking time to pursue the wisdom of God in their life. All were to some extent ignoring him. These conditions cause us to miss the voice of God and therefore his glory, his power, his wisdom, his light in our lives. We become less than what we should be, less powerful than we should be, less influential than we should be, less than we should be because we're not listening and we're not hearing what God would have us to be. We're not focused on what God would have us to do. Now, God could have written them off. He could have looked at every one of these and said, you want to be in the desert? Fine, I'm done with you. You, 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 you want to ignore my word? Fine, I'm done with you. you. You want to be in rebellion? Fine, done with you. You want to get your life so busy you can't listen to me? Fine, I'm done with you. But God's love endures forever. This is the good news. The good news is, is that no matter how far you've wandered from God, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how much you have rebelled, no matter how many times you've ignored his word, no matter how long you've been out in the desert, God's love endures forever. And the moment you recognize it, this is the greatness of it, all of these things bear forth in emptiness. And if you become wise enough to recognize it, as the people in, in this psalm do, then there's an answer. Repeated throughout this psalm, 
numerous times at the end of every one of these conditions is the same verse. We'll read it once. Psalm 107, 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. This is the great promise for us. I may have been in the desert for years, but the second I say, God, I want your will in my life, he begins to deliver me from my distress. I may have walked in rebellion for years, and the second I say, God, I, I, I don't want to rebel anymore. I want to be your child. I see the trouble that's come to me in my rebellion, the pain that it's brought into my life and my family. He begins to deliver me from my distress. The second that I realize that I've not walked in the light of his word, I'm living in the, my own wisdom or the wisdom of the flesh or this world, and I cry out to him and say, God, I have made decision after decision without considering you, but no more. From this day forward, I'm going to consider your word. He begins to deliver us from distress. The moment I say, God, I'm going to set some time aside. I'm going to start listening every day. He shows up every day. And he begins to deliver me from my distress. Wherever you're at today, whatever's going on, whatever condition you may have lived in, you may have lived up until this point, ignoring, not bringing God's word to bear in your life, lived to this point, not, not listening to his voice to direct you, not thinking about his will and why he's made you the way he's made you and the purpose he's made you. But from this day forward, he can begin to move in your life in new ways if you'll listen to his voice. But here's a biblical theme. We are held responsible to cry out to God if we want to hear his voice. We're held responsible to do that. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 2. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, think about it, store up your commands, put it in our hearts, study it, know it. Turn your ear to wisdom. Apply your heart to understanding. If you call out for it, if you pray for it, if you call out for insight, cry aloud, pray for a loud understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For God gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He's not far from you. He's not far off. He's not going to hide from you. Once you begin down that path, say, I want to know your word, God. I want to hear your voice every day. God, show me why I'm in this workplace. Show me why you blessed me with these children. Show me why you've given me these kind of resources. Show me why you've given me this kind of mind. Show me why you've given, put me in this place or that place. God, show me why. He'll begin to move into those places and use you and give you wisdom, give you insight that'll make whatever you're doing filled with eternal value and purpose and all those things in your life that you were meant to be will suddenly begin to bear forth fruit and your life will become a life of eternal value. You'll be in the place of safety. You'll be in the place of security. You'll be in the place where you're fed and where you feel fulfillment. You'll be in the place that when the, when the, the, the day comes, when that part of your life is over, you'll be able to look back and go, yep, God did what I was supposed to do there. Did what I was supposed to do. Did my best for you, God. 
And will you hear that whisper, well done, good and faithful servant? James says much the same thing to us. If any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom is how to apply the right truth throughout our life. God, how do you want me to act? How do you want me to live? What do you want me to do about this? How do you want me to respond? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously. I love this line, without finding fault. He's not going to look at you and go, not you. You've blown it too much. Not you. I've tried to talk to you before and you haven't listened. Not you. You're just a big mess. Without finding fault. He just looks and says, well, finally you're asking. Here it is. Here's how I want to guide you. Here's how I want to direct you. But it's up to us to be sincerely seeking him. His love endures forever. Listen, the enemy's going to tell you. He's going to whisper in your, in your ear, you are too far to ever get back. You've done too many bad things for God to ever accept you. You've messed up too much for your life to ever become of value. You've blown it too much in the workplace, too much in your family, too much in life. You've messed up too many times. You'll never be able to redeem what you did with your kids in the past. You'll never be able to save that. You'll never be able to turn that. I just want to tell you one more time. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. Wherever you're at today, God's love endures forever. And he'll begin to deliver you from your distress when you turn him. It may be a journey. It may be a while. You may have planted some really ugly seed that's got to get rooted out and torn up. But he'll begin to root it out. He'll begin to tear it up and begin to put new seed in where your life will become eternal in Christ Jesus. But turn your ear to him. Cry out to him. No matter what you may be today, that bondage can be broken and new life can come. It's not too late. Amen? Let's stand and give the Lord a clap offering today. Lord, thank you. Yeah, show him how much you love him, how much you appreciate him today. Lord, we love you today. every head's bowed, every eye closed for a moment, I'm going to ask prayer teams and elders to come down to the front right now. Across this room, you may be standing here today and you just simply may need to take this first step and get your heart right with God. You may, I mean, it may just very simply ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior today. Every head's bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. You'll say, Pastor, that's me. I need to ask Christ into my life as my Lord and Savior. I'm standing here today willing to surrender my life to him. I want him to be the Savior of my life and the Lord of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me today. Right now, right in this place, raise your hand and ask Christ to ask Christ into your life. Anyone here this morning, I don't want to miss anybody. God bless you. I see that hand. God loves you. Has a great plan for your life. Anyone else today? Anyone else? You raise your hand and say, pray for me. Pray for me. Oh, God, we love you so much. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. 
I receive Jesus as my Lord. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. As every head stays bowed and eye closed, as we've walked through these conditions of men today, the Lord's spoken to you and said, that's you. I love you, but that's why you're in the mess you're in right now. That's why you're in the distress you're in right this day. And I stand here ready to rescue you. You say, Pastor, I recognize today I've been living in one of these conditions, and today I want to cry out to God to help me. Just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me today. Pray for me. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Others today, you're raising. Yes, God bless you today. Yes. Others today. Yes, yes. Father, I pray none of us would be able to escape the wooing of your spirit. If there's a mess in our life, something that's not bearing the fruit that you want it to bear, Lord, let us see it and let us seek out what, what's the deal here? What can keep your fruit from growing besides our own actions? Now, Lord, today you, you see the ones who've raised their hand and they've recognized something in their life and they need to make a turn today. And Lord, we confess, as much as we want to, we can't do it without you. We need your Holy Spirit to touch us with a touch of self-control, new wisdom and new insight to be what you'd have us to be. So help us with all those things today, to walk in your wisdom and in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for worshiping with us this morning. Hope, you, hope to see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Go in the joy of the Lord. Grace and peace.